Did you hear something? No. Hmm. Did I? I don't know. This Simpsons music comes from uh, the It's a Mad, 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 Mad World parody that happens at the end of Homer the Vigilante, um, which is in season five. I'm going to talk about a different episode from season five, but I just want to say now how good season five was, I guess. And it had lots of episodes like that where, you know you feel like something as mundane as a robber, you know, people hunting a robber and burglaries and stuff. Uh, in other words, something that could be done in a real live action sitcom uh, is taking place. But then through the miracle of madcap Simpsons animation, all of this crazy shit happens also. Ha! Ah, it's Simpsons time, everybody. And it is time to talk about episode number 88, Bart's Inner Child, written by George Meyer. And directed by Bob Anderson and co-starring or featuring Albert Brooks as Brad Goodman, the self-help guru who first cures Troy McClure of his problem drinking, sort of. And then becomes this uh, answer for everybody in Springfield's problems. And exalts Bart during his seminar because Bart is the only person who does what he feels like. And so the whole town copies him in his uh, raging id, and there are disastrous results having to do with people fighting and a, a Donnybrook breaking out. <laughs> and that is essentially the episode. Um... The Donnybrook notwithstanding, when I decided to take this one on for this week, I was kind of like, oh, this will be a sort of introspective, you know, interesting, quiet episode, right? Because it's just mostly thinking about people's feelings and talking about Bart's bad behavior and all that. No way. It is a very, very uh, action-packed episode with a lot of very interesting, um, wild animation going on. Uh, because of the whole Do What You Feel festival that happens at the end, that has James Brown in it too, which is like an amazing score for the people at The Simpsons. Even then when it was like really at the height of its popularity, that's like a big score to get James Brown. Um, 
you know, and so there's like a lot of really big crowd shots and uh, Bart and Homer trying to escape in the big float where the flowers blow off of it. And, um, there's the Ferris wheel and, you know, like all this crazy stuff. But there is also all of the beautiful animation that happens in the beginning in Act One, uh, which is all about Homer getting the trampoline. Trampoline! Trampoline! Uh, and that provides a, like a really, really good opportunity. And is uh, like probably my favorite part of the show. I don't know um, because of how coolly it's drawn. All of the great poses of the people bouncing on the trampoline, especially Homer himself, the way he looks when he's like really quite expertly using the trampoline. <laughs> I really enjoy seeing that. Um, the reveal when uh, Homer has just bought the or picked up the trampoline, it's free. The, the whole idea behind why he's excited about it is that it's free because he's reading the free section in the newspaper. But no one knows about it yet. And the reveal, as I was saying, is um, Bart is on the second floor of the house petting the dog. And behind him in the window, Homer appears bouncing. And I love those just initial poses of him airborne and like spreading his arms a little bit and then appearing again in a different pose. Uh, and I like when uh, Marge is sort of folding her arms and frowning and you see her getting bigger and smaller because it's uh, from the POV of Homer and the kids who are all bouncing on the trampoline. And uh, of course, who can forget after Homer opens up a sort of amusement park as per his daydream that he has, uh, the giant battlefield of wounded kids that have all hurt themselves on the trampoline that just sort of like uh, stretches out into as far as the eye can see all of these uh, hurt, moaning kids. Very ambitious to do. And I learned that this was actually Anderson's first ever show that he directed. And especially in, with all the trampoline stuff, I think he did just a terrific job. Um, there is the Chuck Jones homage who could forget when Homer's trying to get rid of the trampoline after all these kids get hurt. That is very lovingly rendered. 
where he takes the trampoline into the desert and uh, chucks it off the cliff. And everything is done very similarly to Wile E. Coyote. Down to the little rock outcropping that the trampoline bounces up against and... And uh, because of that, flies through the air and descends upon Homer with like a growing shadow, also a la Coyote and Roadrunner. It's very good. And this show really, the trampoline is such a good example of... Uh, like a beloved bit in The Simpsons that people talk about all the time and quote from all the time that isn't even part of the main story. It has almost nothing to do with it, in fact. Um, and you could easily forget that this is the show that it was from. Um, but it does tie together just in a very small way because... of how mad Marge is. Marge becomes really mad that Homer has done this careless thing with the trampoline. And uh, goes to her sisters to cool off. And Patty and Selma suggest Brad Goodman to her, much the way they suggested that she email Artie Ziff much later <laughs> in a half-decent proposal, which I recently talked about. And Brad Goodman, you know, definitely, believably, is somebody that Patty and Selma would have heard of and uh, would follow the teachings of. Um, so, yeah, that's how it happens. After she learns about him from Patty and Selma, Marge takes the videotape home, and she and Homer watch it together. And after watching the one videotape become completely full of psychobabble and never have an argument without saying like I'm feeling a lot of shame right now I'm hearing that you're feeling shame <laughs> and I'm feeling annoyance and frustration but also tolerance you know that kind of thing and even though they're uh fighting is definitely tempered by that and they're all better they decide to go to brad goodman anyway um because they see because as they're talking about it bart is riding a chair in the garbage disposal like a mechanical bull kind of so clearly somebody in the family needs to be helped psychologically Oh, I need to mention, in the infomercial, when Brad Goodman talks about the, uh, like, bad, rainbow of bad feelings or something, what is it called? Its name is not important. Um, there are all, there's a list of all these ailments that you can have psychologically, inc including nagging and including a geriatric profanity disorder. Um, and, there, and that... Uh, is a list that scrolls over a picture of a rainbow and next to the rainbow is the 
little scowling leprechaun. Um, and is that the first appearance of that guy? That's the same leprechaun that tells Ralph to burn things in his imagination and that we see later on, like much later on. Not to be confused with the old Irishman who says he took many a lump because of Whacking Day. A totally different Irish character. So anyway, there they are at the seminar, the live seminar with Brad Goodman. And that provides another, like, really classic Simpsonian trope, which is the meeting of everyone together in the town who are all convinced at the same time to do something. Now, if we can all be more like little Rudiger, his name is Bart. His name isn't important. Ken from Hyde Park on the playlist is asking, how do you spell Rudiger? And I think one of the spellings that he has there is correct. I always spell it pretty much phonetically, but maybe that's just become the received spelling of that name that nobody knew about before The Simpsons used it. I think my favorite part of the whole seminar is... Um, Homer walking up to the stage uh, to be congratulated on being such a good parent with two candy apples in his hands, like eating two candy apples, one in each hand. <laughs> and nobody ever says like, oh, where did you get those candy apples? Like the word candy apples is never said, but you just see him eating them. And that is just pretty good to me. Uh, and, you know, then things pretty much proceed from there. Everyone in town is now acting exactly like Bart, um, <laughs> including Kent Brockman when he says it's about fucking time. They bleep it out, but it's really still very funny to hear and see Kent Brockman curse on the air. <laughs> and I think maybe he invented this thing of spraying uh, Ready Whip into your mouth <laughs> that he does during that same newscast. I see so many people doing that now, and I feel like until then, only a handful of people even knew that you could do that. Uh, so, yeah, Bart is, like, kind of sad because now he's not a rebel anymore. Lisa has this erudite explanation for it. But Bart's kind of sad. The entire rest of the town is happy just for a few days until the aforementioned fracas happens in the Do What You Feel festival. And plenty of things happen within the festival that I enjoy, like Smithers uh, over like weirdly spray-painted ice cream cones. The look of that ice cream cone is always interesting to me, the way there's no line around it. Um, he tries to confess his love to Burns and 
it just it just does not go well. <laughs> um, you see Carl and Flanders playing steel drums. And you see Patty and Selma naked on the back of a horse, and that's great. Or the sea captain thinks it's great. Nobody else does. Uh, when Bard and Homer escape in the float, somebody says they're very slowly getting away, or they're gradually getting away, one or the other. And then the other one is said later on in the spin-off showcase about Big Daddy when he's swimming away. It's one of the very, very few moments where a joke is repeated pretty much exactly in The Simpsons. And the whole show ends with McGarnagal and Homer saying, because he gets results, you stupid chief. And we all love McGarnagal. McGarnagal is like quintessential Simpsons. You know, the fact that that's the show that they love and it is a pastiche of every cop show ever. And it was invented by George Meyer, who I said before wrote this episode and who is absolutely the spiritual father of Simpsons writing. Albert Brooks is just terrific. I mean, he's like so funny when he's talking about Martha Quinn and his first appearance. I loved her in whatever it is I saw her in. Like, that's so great. Oh, no, I loved her in the thing I saw her in, he says. But it must be said, James Brown is, like, really, really amazing, too. And uh, I learned that the writers loved his reading of his line, Hey, wait a minute. This bandstand wasn't double bolted so much that they would repeat it whenever somebody would like drop something like, hey, wait a minute, that pizza wasn't double bolted. Which is great. He deserves that. And uh, I just like this show a lot. The last thing I'll say, though, is I really enjoy that... Homer talks about the soiled mattresses that the men's shelter is giving away. This is all in the very beginning. And then a little bit later, you see in his fantasy the soiled mattresses that he's going to build a fort out of. Fort Adventure, he calls it. Anyway, hey, <laughs> this has been Simpsons Time. Thank you for listening. Thank you so much, dear listeners, for tuning in to Simpsons Time Through the Debigulator this fine day. This is January 18th, my birthday. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. Get 
email and wish me happy birthday or just spiritually out into the ether wish me a happy birthday. I'm excited to have a birthday. And I feel that Bart's inner child is a appropriate episode to discuss on one's birthday. Maybe it's your birthday. Maybe you can play this again for yourself on your birthday, if it's not. Anyway, I <laughs> hope you've enjoyed this episode. I'm Amanda Nazario, and I will talk to you next week. Bye. Bye.